Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. I just want to say thank you so much for all your feedback for last week's episode. There was a lot of division on camps between those who enjoyed and those who did not enjoy Shadow in the Dark. So it was really interesting to get all your feedback and your different perspectives on the episode. In my, I want to say, 57 episode history, I have never covered an episode as divisive as that one. So that was actually very interesting to see. This week, I think we might all be on the same page. There are definitely some things we got to make fun of in this episode. First of all, it's called El Viejo, the old man. Second of all, the old man in question, as you all know, Willie Nelson, recently turned 90 years old a couple days ago, actually, when I was watching this episode, in fact. So he is 90 years old as of 2023. So 37 years earlier, when he was filming this episode, he was 53 years old. (laughs) Do you know who else is 53 years old? Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) I'm aware, sun damage, smoking, lifestyle choices, cosmetic procedures, allegedly olive oil, wink, wink, that makes the difference. And the advancements to aging have definitely improved It's just very funny to put these two next to each other and be like, this is the exact same age. It's just all how you live and also how you hold yourself. You could tell that Willie Nelson still feels pretty young. Like he doesn't really seem like this bumbly, fumbly old man they make him out to be. And did you just expose that with Jennifer Lopez? Too funny. Too funny. I love it. Well, to be fair, Jennifer Lopez doesn't smoke and doesn't drink alcohol and was known for drinking milk at nightclubs and sleeps eight hours a night, which we all know that quote from my Carrie, if I didn't have to sing my own songs, I could sleep eight hours a night as well. (laughs) So, you know, there is something to be said about living a very healthy, sleep heavy lifestyle I would love that I wonder what I would look like with eight hours of sleep every night because I either get six hours or ten hours so I guess it averages out to eight (laughs) however let's get to the episode this week we're covering season three episode seven entitled El Viejo per IMDB Crockett and Tubbs have their hands full with an impatient old timer (laughs) anxious to make a deal with the deadly Bolivian cocaine importer now we open up with my favorite thing an illuminated glass block wall as a gentleman has come in from Broward County done full up in cowboy garb hat bolo fringe jacket takes some chewing tobacco from Zwitek they are very much playing into this but again he's from Broward he's trying to make a deal with this Colombian drug dealer named Mendez And now his cover is that he owns a trucking company and he's able to borrow this gorgeous blue... Let me see if I get the name of it. I won't get the name of it. I'm so sorry. This gorgeous blue 18-wheeler for his cover and he goes to make the meet at the marina. And I must say, it is such a beautiful romantic shot that it's not a romantic scene at all where you just see the Miami skyline at night while he's meeting up with one of Mendez's goons. Hired goons? And off in the distance, they see this beautiful pink, sorry, I want to say like glossy blush, let's not say pink, 
um, speedboat that comes in and then you get a look at Mendez. Please, if you are not driving, go to the gallery right now because surprise, surprise, he is featured incredibly heavily with the long curly hair, the open shirt, the black pants, the swagger, the belt, the briefcase that we see later on. It is just a look. And as the cowboy, ever a gentleman, see, it's happening to me too, steps and helps Mendez up. Mendez and him walk a little bit. Then he walks over to his goon, whispers something, and then the goon has bad news for our undercover guy in this next clip. He likes your boots. He wants to know you can afford them. A cop salary. Ooh, bad news. And with that, he is shot, kicked rather unceremoniously into the water as his... Stetson hat, 10-gallon hat. I'm so sorry. Please feel free to correct me. I am very ignorant on the different hat sizes and their uses. Basically, his cowboy hat floats up to the top with a blood stain. Then we get to the intro. After the intro, we see the spider making a little comeback, pulling up to what I've read was actually a post office, which is just illuminated with these different neon lights again glass blocks my favorite and it just looks so gorgeous like we do have some really beautiful post offices in los angeles that are really so beautiful to look at there's one in hollywood um i believe it's it's right by mama shelter it's like selma and some uh, those do not match beautiful post office just look up beautiful post office hollywood there's also one in the downtown annex by union station old, beautiful, restored on the inside, like just a truly magical experience because I personally never saw a beautiful post office (laughs) growing up in Canada. You would think that there would be one. I'm sure there is, but I never got to go to one. I would pick up my mail, my packages at the back of a Pharma Plus. So this (laughs) was very much a treat when I moved to Los Angeles. And this post office must have been so gorgeous inside as well, like very much vibing with the Art Deco. But it turns out that they're staging this as a museum and they're meeting up with a gentleman named Rickles and one of his goons. Hired goons. Oh, sorry, when I meant they, I meant production is basically staging this at the museum. Obviously, they could not film a scene like this at the museum and you'll understand why. So as they walk up to make the deal with Rickles, they have to go inside and meet Mendez and they want to get the money first, make that whole exchange inside. Now, as they're walking up, they get a visitor. It is the museum security guard who notices Crockett trying to keep his cover, pulls the gun on him, holds him at gunpoint, and then brings him inside the meat at the museum, still being held up by gunpoint. Now, before they walk inside, they see what just appears to be some random old man in the shadows. Crockett thusly tells him to get lost. Number one, uh, it's really nice to hear one of my favorite go-to karaoke songs in Miami Vice. Didn't think that would happen. Number two, (laughs) 
I will not try to repeat this the entire episode. I'm one of those people that says things multiple times. Don Johnson was born in 1950, making him 36 years old at the time of this is filmed. Willie Nelson was 53. <laughs> like, that's not that big of a gap. <sighs> oh, but yes, beat it, old man. And, oh, Crockett and Tubbs making the deal with the bodyguard still being held at gunpoint in front of Crockett. And not surprisingly, the deal goes south very quickly. Mendez's goons end up shooting the museum guard in the back as he's trying to run away. And as Mendez's goons are running away, one of them drops this incredible snakeskin briefcase, which is very amazing, very look. And this is Mendez's prized possession, as we will learn. Which, uh, same Mendez, I also love my accessories. Now, after the deal goes awry, we are back at the precinct. Ah, Crockett's really not taking this well, and I don't really feel that bad for him. You brought in a civilian, kind of use him as a human body shield, and then are surprised that they were being used as a human body shield. Yeah, that just seems incredibly problematic all around. However, this is television. Let's suspend our disbelief. Now, Crockett's persona was that he was going to run the product of Baton Rouge. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. This is how things are transported. But it's just very interesting that Mendez is looking for ground transport. I understand it, but it's just very funny. I was like, you kind of could have made a really fun episode and just gone like full of smoking the bandit with it. But I digress. Now Zweta comes in and he has information from the pictures and they're going to try to first contact the next akin from the museum guard's driver's license, see if anyone will claim the body. And then Castillo wants them to find something as close as they can to the briefcase in I completely forgot the word of it where seized yes seized items so they can try to make the deal again have a little bit of leverage with Mendez however just gonna tell you right now I would 100% know if that was a fake briefcase and not my real briefcase when will we ever see the briefcase again why it's in the next scene we pan to a dresser with some incredibly old-timey photos. Like, I'm talking Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Pan up, and who do we see but Willie Nelson himself. We see the snakeskin briefcase pop open with two t- keys of cocaine inside. We later see Willie Nelson go to a revolver, take out the bullets, bring it down to the pawn shop, and get cash for it. Now, interesting. What's he going to do with that? We see him take the receipt, put it in his pocket, and continue walking down the street. As Mendez's goon is dropped off. Dropped. Oh, my God. 
as Mendez's goon is dropped off at the fancy Excelsior Hotel, where Gina and Trudy naturally get to go do a little bit of surveillance. And they joke about <laughs> as they're lounging by the pool. Now, you know, I love my Michael Mann casting. I thought this was interesting. And again, if I were watching this on primetime in 1986 and I wasn't consuming the media and replicating the media and going as deep into it as I am now. I wouldn't really notice the repeat casting. So the guy that assaulted Gina, that basically manipulated and assaulted her in Give a Little, Take a Little, and she didn't want to blow her cover that episode... That guy's back, and he's back as, like, kind of just like a creepy, cheesy old man buying Gina and Trudy drinks. And they look like a million dollars. Gina and Trudy. Trudy's wearing the same dress she wore last week, the black cutout dress. Gina looks really nice in a spaghetti strap, white. I want to say just like a nice A-line dress. As they're lounging by the pool, spying on Mendez's goons. Now, our two men will be back in a second. So let's go back to Mendez's goon. He, like true men of the 80s, is tanning with a reflector, probably just baby oil. <laughs> when he gets a surprise from our guest star, Willie Nelson himself. Yeah, brighten up your miserable life. Ooh, what does that mean? And we realize it really quickly once we see... Willie Nelson pulled the briefcase out of a shopping bag. That's got to be the briefcase. Stay with him. I'll go call soon. That's right, puppy dog. I found it. I don't have time to play a long hand, so find me somebody that knows how to deal. I'm in room 415. Must say, as a native speaker of English, it would have taken me like a few seconds to think all of that sentence and be like, what do you mean? Oh, I don't have time to play a long hand. Okay, so like poker. <laughs> like, you gotta keep things moving. Love the way that some people from the South just speak in these old men proverbial idioms. <laughs> and you just have to figure out what they're saying. <laughs> so, again, Gina's on her way to call Crockett. Now, Crockett and Tubbs are standing on his bow. Crockett's lamenting his lazy deck boy, who's not the most fastidious cleaner. But he does bring up a really good points about the case and about how f unfair it is that the museum guard got killed in the case, despite having zero say, responsibility, or choice in the matter in this next clip. We never get even, do we? You can't, man. We never get even, do we? Nope. Oh, I totally missed such a funny gif. I'm just looking at the gallery now. After that whole puppy dog, long hand, good old southern cowboy. I'm sorry. I'm just conflating all the different southern regional dialects and putting them into one sentence. <laughs> However, Willie Nelson puts his cigar out in the glass that Mendez's goon is drinking from and he has a curly straw around the glass. It's really fun. <laughs> now, back to the boat. Croc and Tubbs get a surprise visit from Rickles, which just a name that does not fit with Steve Buscemi because I just think of Don Rickles. Just doesn't, you know, 
doesn't compete with me. However, that's his character's name, so I will address him as such. So Rickles and his goon, lots of goons this episode, come to pay Crockett and Tubbs a visit. And he is here to report that Mendez is peed off and that he wants his briefcase and his keys back. Now, Crockett and Tubbs say that they'll replace the briefcase, and Rickles warns them that he wants the original briefcase, not just some crappy replica. And I'm assuming he'd also want his two keys back. But they want Rickles to redo the beats and have this all go down again so they can finally nab Mendez. When Crockett gets a call from Gina, and it's such a beautiful shot of Gina. She looks like a million dollars. The phone and the phone cord are like this purple tinge from inside the hotel. And she is calling Sonny to alert him that she has spotted the briefcase, that the old man that they originally saw at the meet has the briefcase, and Trudy is on the prowl trying to get his room number. She does it in actually a very smart way. But again, remember, this is a very wise old man in this next clip. Hey, handsome. Why don't you buy me a drink and tell me where you're from? Because I wasn't born yesterday. Nice try, huh? You can see in the clip of her trying to pickpocket him. But she is able to get the room number. This is before those electronic room keys. So this was when it would have your room number printed on the keychain itself. And at this hotel, it's like a giant plastic keychain attached to the key. Usually it's like a little bit sleeker and nicer. I don't know why at this fancy hotel. I guess it was the 80s. And, you know, since he is from Texas, everything's bigger. Again, not the correct accent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but Mendez's goon has some news to report and this is where we get the name of the episode. And if you look at the gallery and look at the accompanying gif, you'll also see that this was probably a paid promotion with AT&T. You'll see what I mean. I saw it with my own eyes. Believe me, it's your briefcase. He's an old fool. El hombre es un viejo. I'll take him to you myself. And you'll see what I mean when you see the GIF. It's just this AT&T logo right by his chin on the cordless phone. And I don't know, again, if that was intentional or not, but you have to remember how big Miami Vice was at the time. And even though it did falter in the fourth and fifth season, season three was still quite popular and there were only four channels to watch TV on so every show had a much bigger reach than it does today now our two old men Gina and Trudy are laying it on thick with Gina telling them they brought aerobics to Detroit and that they're looking for models and actresses to star in their commercials and promote their product and she kind of brushes them off says that she's a nun and then when she sees Trudy she lets him know that Crockett's on the way that she already told Crockett about the briefcase Trudy lets her know that she got the room number and they try to see if Trudy will play along in this next clip excuse me are you a nun too oh yeah right sure read my bible <laughs> so obviously, that Bible she's speaking of is her badge. So Crockett and Tubbs now have the hotel room number that Elvier who is staying at. But before they get there, 
El Viejo is waiting to make the deal with Mendez's goon. Mendez's goon thinks that he has one up on this old man, pulls out a gun, again, not knowing what this El Viejo is capable of. He pulls out this black leather strap, and I know the term for it, it's going to bother me, and is able to knock him out, wrestle the gun away from him, shoot at him, and he flees. Now, when Crockett and Tubbs find him, he has collapsed on the floor. And as he's clutching his heart, collapsing on the floor, we see a montage of old West Texas cowboy footage as he's collapsing on the floor. Luckily, Crockett and Tubbs are thinking quick. They're able to find a little mint case. And in that little metal case, they have nitroglycerin pills for his heart. They're able to give him one, get him back and running. They make a quip about a dealer with a bad ticker. Nitroglycerin. Beautiful. A dealer with a bad ticker. And that song you hear playing in the background that was also playing during the cowboy montage is State of Emergency by Cactus World News, which seems like a very fitting name for a band in this episode. And as Crockett and Tubbs have brought him back into the room, helped him get a little bit better, lie down, give him his nitroglycerin so he can get back up. Obviously, Crockett and Tubbs, they're there for one thing. They want the briefcase as well. So Tubbs, not so slyly, opening the bright turquoise and lime green dresser drawers trying to find in El Viejo, Willie Nelson, quick as can be, goes it's not in the room. And he knows exactly what they're in for. He basically says that uh, they can maybe help him find it, but he wants that finder's fee. And they ask what he found and he basically gives him a little bit of a little bit of the sample that he's had tucked in his cowboy boot and a little piece of foil gives it to Crockett and Tubbs Crockett and Tubbs check it out basically say that it's good and with that sample he's able to convince Crockett and Tubbs to have them watch his back as he gets his finder's fee oh there's such a great quote that I'm so mad I don't have a clip of I swear I had it dead man can't give you what you want very true Tubbs takes the gun back to the lab, and while he's in the precinct, he talks to Castillo about the case, and once again mentions that Crockett is interested in finding out if any of the museum guard's family has come forward to claim the body, and Castillo responds thusly. Crockett asked about the museum guard's family. No one's claimed the body. If his mind's somewhere else, I want him off the case. I'll let you know. Now, speaking of Crockett, Crockett is on the same fight as stance. He's trying to get this deal going again with Rickles when he gets a surprise visit from El Viejo himself. And once again, El Viejo is not one to be underestimated. What does this guy Rickles have to say? We're on our way to meet with them to discuss your finder's fee. But where's your partner? He's on his way here. Somebody to look after you. Look after me. Hell, I'm running this operation. Now, wait a minute. This guy doesn't know you. And if you spook him, there'll be blood everywhere. Well, I'll follow in your partner's car, but if this joker from the museum is there, I want to see him. I'd be a little bit more miffed if I was Willie Nelson's character myself. Like, someone's going to watch over you. Like, no, he's making this deal. He has the briefcase. He has the collateral. 
he is running this operation, like he said. So I'm glad he has the confidence to stand up for himself and not be treated like a child. So he is going to fall on the coup de veil while they're going to drive along in the spider. Now, back to Steve Buscemi, him and his goon. Everyone has their own goons this episode. Not fair. When am I ever going to get my own goon? Hired goons. And now, so while they're enjoying their shrimp cocktail... With a, again, a very brightly colored restaurant. I really love whoever was doing the interior of this episode, whoever was doing this uh, location scouting, just picked like the brightest, most vibrant colors we've seen in a long while. And also, I do appreciate Willie Nelson looking great in a kind of like an aquamarine teal color for the suit and a little Panama hat. I guess that's what makes him look older, is the Panama hat. Maybe if he lost that, people would stop calling him old. <laughs> so, uh, Rickles. Steve Buscemi's on the phone with Mendez while they're eating shrimp cocktails. And there's still a lot of food in his mouth, and we'll get to that later. However, Mendez doesn't want them to do the deal. He just wants to kill them. Now we cut back, and we have Depeche Mode playing in the background while Mendez's goons are assembling a gun. We could be A great song, by the way. The name of the song is Fly on the Windshield. So they're going to go make this deal. So Crockett and Tubbs driving along in the spider. We have Willie Nelson, El Viejo, tailing along in the Coup de Ville when we see a black van roll on by. First, I have to mention, this is my choice for exterior decor. The black van that they're loading into, it's coming out of this nice, very nice house, nice estate, let's be more realistic, called Villa Costellata. <laughs> what a great name. And I am so glad I was able to take a picture of it because it made me so happy once I realized it. I thought it was just going to be like Villa Costa or something. I was like, oh my God, Villa Costellata. That's so clever. So the black van pulls up to the spider and they have... I want to say it's a machine gun. I'm not sure what type it is. I meant to look all this up. Um, But I got really sucked into the history of the Texas Rangers, which I will give you a little bit more about at the end of the episode. However, they are shooting into the spider. Crocodiles are trying to fire back, and they're able to get a few hits in. However, the driver is still going. So Willie, smart as ever, just pulls up to the van, but not in the position to be seen by the guy holding the machine gun and sideswipes, sideswipes, sideswipes the van enough that he's able to careen it off over the highway divide and smash into a bus while Crockett, Tubbs, and Willie are okay. They pull up to the van. The driver is still breathing, passed out and unconscious while the hitman is dead. And this is El Viejo's idea. Still breathing. Shoot him. Out of hell with him. Let him die slow. Oh, well, uh, twice bitten, thrice shy for Rockin' Tubbs. They go pay Rickles and his friend a visit. They're still at the shrimp cocktail place. Because when Crockett Tubbs get there and they question him, they are pissed. El Viejo is also tagging along with this. And basically what they do is they grab Rickles by the hair and his mouth is just full of shrimp. And it's 
not a great picture. I do apologize. And like, I know Steve Buscemi does get made fun of for his teeth, and that's not what I'm making fun of. It's the food inside because you can see him spitting up pieces of shrimp and other seafood as he's pleading his ignorance with Crockett, Tubbs, and El Viejo. El Viejo comes in and reminds him that the finder's fee is not negotiable. And now Mendez knows that they are ready to do business. And then Gina lets Crockett know that she knows the real identity of the old man. His name is Jake. And Zwitek and Zito do a little bit of recon. They go over to the hotel that he's been staying at, that Gina's been able to find, and they're able to talk to him. And you can tell that this is more of a long-term hotel, if you know what I mean. So, naturally, the motel manager has definitely seen some stuff, and he has a punching bag right by the desk, and we saw him skipping Roke outside, and this is his reasoning. Therapy. Because I can't afford a psychiatrist. And so since the manager's been handed this warrant, he hands over the key to Zito and Switek, and they ask him if he's ever mentioned anything about his room at the Excelsior. The manager's really surprised. He's like, he can barely afford this place, and this place is kind of a dump. So how could he get the money for the Excelsior? We know as the audience that he pawned in a fancy gun to help pay for that room, but Zeno and Switek don't know that yet. So once they're able to get in with Crockett and Tubbs, they do a little bit of recon, they find cat food in the fridge, and they don't see a cat. They see, again, the old-timey Western frame photos, and they're going through his stuff, and Crockett sees the Texas Ranger badge, and then he sees the slip from the pawn shop, which I will note... Jake's birthday is listed as May 30th, 1920. So his character would be around 66 years old. Again, that's kind of like retirement age. It's not like cantankerous old man. And Texas Ranger and Sonny, again, growing up in the South, had obviously read about Texas Rangers and the lore behind the Texas Rangers and how kind of special and unique they are to not only just Texas culture and history, but American culture and history. So... He's really surprised to see this, and he doesn't understand how someone who could uphold those values of his Texas Ranger would be doing a deal like this, living in a crappy hotel in Miami. Uh-uh, pal. When you're a ranger, you're a ranger for life. These guys were handpicked by the attorney general of Texas. They were heroes. Guys like Bill McCullough, Bigfoot Wallace. Frank Hammer was the guy that got Bonnie and Clyde. You're right. The old man was pretty cool when the hit from that van came down. He held his own. I'm telling you, these guys would ride into hell with a bucket of water. <laughs> he used to send one ranger in to clean up an entire town. Backup was on his hip. Now we find one peddling two keys of blow. What? Retirement fund? And for our non-American listeners, we're like, what are you talking about? Because when I, you first thing you Google with, first thing that comes up when you Google Texas Rangers, it's the baseball team. So they're kind of akin to Scotland Yard, Interpol, or the Mounties, and that kind of like special branch of law enforcement that is very um, iconic in that way. Now, Tubbs is going to go see if he can get any information from the driver of the hit van, and he gets some bad news from Castillo. Castillo does not want the deal to go down. He tells Tubbs to bust Mendez ASAP because the driver spilled his guts. I guess he's not worried about 
getting killed by Mendez and basically said everything. They said that Castillo says that he has enough for a murder one charge. And then when Tubbs asks a little bit more, he basically says that Jake, the old man, the former Texas Ranger, this man of mystery, is going to go down for possession. Speaking of old men in Miami, surprise, surprise, he is on a boat with a beautiful woman. Uh, Jake is hanging out with Gina, who's keeping an eye on him on the St. Vitus dance, when he gets a call from Rickles. He tells Gina to take a walk in there. They want a little bit of privacy, and he makes the deal with Rickles. Gina asks him what the plan is after the call ends, and he says he's going to go visit a dead friend. That is a very interesting term. Now, when Crocker walks back to the boat, Gina leaves, tells him that she wasn't able to get any information on the deal. And then Crockett drops the ranger pin and asks him what his game is. You want to talk about surviving, you ought to wear one of these for a while. Got a motto written on a statue in Dallas. You know what it says? One riot, one ranger. How'd you know that? read it in a book when I was a kid. Did you also read we were the toughest lawmen in the world? Well, sir, that was probably true back then. But the game has changed, old-timer. Ooh, are we going to get a little nod to the pilot in this next clip? I think we are. This is Miami. Around here, you can't tell the players without a program. Maybe the writers are a little bit new, and they're going back to the pilot and some of the first episodes to maybe match continuity or revisit old themes. Because I was like, this is pretty much verbatim what's in the pilot. But there is a sad story behind all of this and his life as a Texas Ranger, and Jake explains a little bit more in this next clip. Me and my partner stood toe-to-toe with seven of those boys. All we had was our peacemakers. Load and fire, load and fire. Harris had one of those Tommy guns he and his boys were trying to pepper us with. Suddenly Roy yelled, Jake, look out, and they stood up. He took the bullet that would have killed me. Spent the rest of my life trying to make that up to him. Took care of his wife, raised his son like he was my own. But part of me died with Roy. Oh, damn, that is really sad. And that definitely hits home with Crockett. And Crockett talks about, again, hearkening back to his experiences in the Vietnam War and losing friends. But they're able to get a little bit more playful in this next clip. when they talk about how El Viejo, how Jake can actually see through Crockett pretty well. Sorry, Burnett pretty well. Up on this side of the law. What's your excuse? I know your type, Bernadette. You're a dealer. You got two friends, yourself and your gun. And I know your type, too. A cop that sells out on his badge. Well, sometimes the low road can take you places that the high road can. Wow, that's very interesting that someone who hasn't even known Crockett that long and is watching Crockett perform his persona of Burnett could kind of see through and see the loneliness and see the sadness of Crockett's life. And yes, Crockett has Elvis and Crockett has Tubbs and, you know, Crockett did have Gina for a little bit, but you can tell at the end of the day, like Crockett is a very broken man and the coolest clothes and the most 
fancy car give an image, but you can tell deep down that he's hurting. So I actually think that's pretty poetic that this, again, wise old man was able to tell that right off the bat. Now, however, the end of this conversation doesn't go as planned. Tubbs is walking by, doing a little bit of surveillance, being very sneaky. And right when something's about to go down, Jake pulls out his gun, whips Crockett, knocks him unconscious. Tubbs shoots at him. Jake shoots back at Tubbs and is able to steal Crockett's cigarette boat. He was actually making a comment that he's, you know, driven faster, bigger boats than his cigarette boat before, and he knows the way around the Gulf. So it was a little bit foreshadowed, but still kind of surprising that, again, this guy that they're writing off as this old man or that this guy who turned his back on his badge, he's actually much more clever and capable than anyone would give him credit for, and is able to outfox Crockett on his own boat. Tubbs races over to help Crockett, and Alviejo is on his merry way. We see him go back into the hotel where he lives, and now we can see blood. When the hotel manager and the pretty annoying woman who made a pretty mean comment about Zwitek's body basically bring up the fact that he's bleeding. He's like, ah, oh, no, I just fell on the bus. It's fine. Goes upstairs, writes it off. We see him kind of making a makeshift, it's not a tourniquet, tourniquet goes above the cut, uh, just a makeshift compress with a bandana, very Willie Nelson of him. And we see the manager go up, follow him, check in with him as Jake is putting in a Texas Ranger badge into an envelope putting some cash on it, asking the manager if he can mail this out. So again, the manager's like a little bit concerned what's going on. Basically, Jake shoes him away, says that he's fine, changes back into his Texas Ranger. I don't know if it's the official Texas Ranger outfit. I don't think so, but it is very much a Texas outfit. Vice gets into the room just a little bit too late. However, the manager's working with them, gave them the letter that he was given to mail off, And things start to click once the name of the badge holder, the former Texas Ranger, gets brought up. Everything clicks. San Antonio with the Peterbilt truck. He was working the Bolivian until he showed up dead two months ago. That old man hasn't disappeared. Vince Wilson was his partner's son, and he's gone to shoot it out with the guys that killed him. And now remember when Gina was talking to Jake and he said that he was going to go visit a dead friend? Now it's all coming together. This is where he's planning to meet Mendez in the cemetery where his partner's son was buried. Not to be this person. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. But if this agent was originally from San Antonio working in Broward... Wouldn't he be buried in Texas where his family is? Or maybe he's moved out here with his wife and children. But that kind of threw me for a loop and I put that in my notes. But let's just suspend belief. We are going to the meetup and it's actually very interestingly shot. I couldn't even really get any screen grabs from 
this scene because there was so much fog and so dark and you couldn't really see anybody. Menda is wearing the same outfit the entire episode, chest on display, long hair flowing, big belt. Oh, what a what a style icon he is. And him and his goons are getting together and we see Jake cowboyed out, ready to go, kind of hiding behind some gravestones. And again, the same song that we had during his cowboy montage flashback. Again, they're trying to make this guy like Methuselah with some of this footage. <laughs> and I know at this time that color TV wasn't that far away, but it's just very funny to see they go to this like old black and white footage. Like, <laughs> like this man is not Methuselah. Oh, very funny. Now let's get to the serious part. We are here for a reason. He is going to get his finder's fee. Or is he really going to get revenge and do right by the partner that saved his life and sacrificed his life for Jake's? Now at the tactical van, kind of overseeing this whole deal, Castillo doesn't want Crockett nor Tubbs to go and have anything to do with this. But basically Crockett pleads with him and says that, you know, since they're expecting Burnett to show up and he can help protect Jake, he can kill two birds with one stone. And again, Castillo kind of argues back that they're only concerned about getting Mendez. But at the end of the day, Crockett is able to persevere. He's able to go in as Burnett. And also, a little bit of karmic retribution, uses Rickles, remember Steve Buscemi, as a human shield during the shootout. Ah, well, on a less funny note, there was a lot of gunfire erupting between Jake and the Mendez goons, or the Mendez squad, if you will. I'm not really able to pinpoint it, kind of like I missed it when on the boat, but there's just a lot of gunfire back and forth. Jake does get hit. We don't know where. And this is when Crockett, as Burnett, comes in. And right as he's getting close to Jake, Jake pulls the gun on him. Full cowboyed out, bolo, turquoise bolo, hat, everything looking right into Crockett Burnett's eyes. Cop. I'm a cop. I knew that all along. And as Jake drops the gun, again, his eyes are still wide open. Crockett goes over to check on him, knowing about his heart conditions. And major plot point that I completely forgot to say, he left his nitroglycerin pills at the hotel. He knew exactly what he was doing. This was his last hurrah, or his last yeehaw, as I put it. Sorry, bad joke. At a time like this. So Crockett walks over to check on him and respectfully closes his eyes, finding out that he's passed away. And the episode ends not on a freeze frame, but the episode ends with Crockett and kneeling by Willie Nelson as his character Jake has passed away. And that's a sad note, but that is the episode. Let's get to fashion. Now, you know me and my love of over-the-top fashion, so no surprise this week, our best-dressed man and our wild card are the exact same character. None other than Mendez himself, chest on display, chains, long flowing hair, snakeskin. How can you say no? I could not think of anyone else. They had some challengers, but I was like, you know what? I think he is the star of this episode. I'm going to give honorable mention to the color teal 
We have Mendez's goon in Teal. We have El Viejo, Willie Nelson himself in Teal. Great color. I wish Crockett would pull a little bit more of that off and kind of get rid of the lime green he keeps wearing. Just burn that shirt as I'm speaking 37 years in the past. <laughs> Best accessory this episode, naturally, it's just snakeskin. Hopefully it's fake. Now, best decor, I have a tie between Villa Casalotta, just kind of for giggles, but then I think my true best decor pick is going to be the post office that was standing in for the museum. The circular building, the glass blocks, the neon, the positioning of the palm trees, the exterior lighting. How can you say no? Best dressed woman? No surprise here. Trudy was wearing the exact same dress last week, so I couldn't really count her in the pool. I am going to give my vote to Gina looking like a million bucks in that white dress with matching red nails and red lips. Looking like a million dollars and looking even better with that purple phone. <laughs> a little bit different with Elvis's legal minute this time around, but since we are talking about a law enforcement agency, I figured it was appropriate. Now, Texas Rangers, again, especially for non-Americans, is kind of like a little bit foreign. So again, like what I mentioned earlier on the episode, they're more akin to the Mounties or Scotland Yard. And like Crockett said, there is a very old Wild West history of the Texas Rangers, and they date all the way back to 1823. So Stephen F. Austin, naturally, hence Austin, Texas, when he was bringing settlers to Austin, he kind of called upon the new settlers to create somewhat of a militia, I guess would be the proper term for that. But then they were not really formally recognized until 1835. However, as of 2022, there's only about 234 active Texas Rangers. And when I was looking into how to become a Texas Ranger, I believe law enforcement officers need, I think it's six to eight years of experience just to apply to become a Texas Ranger. And naturally, syndication, you'll know of Walker, Texas Ranger. And no, Chuck Norris was not an actual real life Texas Ranger. Another fun fact, Boomhauer from King of the Hill. The guy, the guy you can't really understand anything he says, and they never really talk about what his job is, what he does. It is revealed that he is a Texas Ranger. And yeah, they oversee a lot of different branches of law enforcement and criminal justice, including tactical programming, crime scenes, border patrol, unsolved crimes, etc. So they are not to be messed with. Hence, don't mess with Texas. And with that, I will conclude Elvis's legal minute. Now, for Vice Tea, I don't really have any this week because obviously our guest star, Willie Nelson, just celebrated his 90th birthday. He's lived a long and varied life, but there wasn't any really scandal that I wanted to make into Vice Tea because I believe that his arrest for marijuana possession and his struggles with the IRS and what he's doing with renewable energy with biodiesel fuel made from vegetable these are all really cool things to commend someone it's not really as gossipy as i would like it just think he is a cool cat all around and yep just turned 90 a few days ago so give it up for willie nelson keep rocking on and i do appreciate that when he did have to pay back the IRS a lot for his back taxes, that he released an album basically entitled, This is Going to the IRS. <laughs> I love it. Do you know what else was created because of um, IRS garnishments? 
Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. There you go. The more you know. And again, Steve Buscemi, I have nothing bad to say about him. All around stand-up guy. You know him from everything. And in his personal life, too. Again, former firefighter. Helped during 9-11. Nothing bad I can say about this guy. So I'm sorry for the light vice tea this week. Now, for music, we have three songs in this episode in addition to... The Lumbar Trial and the El Viejo Theme by Jan Hammer. We have one of my karaoke go-tos, Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. We have State of Emergency by Cactus World News that they interspliced with the cowboy montage and then at the end with the final shootout. And then we also have a great new song by Depeche Mode that I've never heard. So I'm very excited this is going to make it into my regular rotation. Fly on the Windshield by Depeche Mode. And with that, we have wrapped up Season 3, Episode 7 LVAho, and I'll be back next week to break down Season 3, Episode 8. And I have not looked ahead to see what it is, so I'm very curious. Thank you, as always, for liking, for subscribing, for telling your friends, for leaving a five-star review for comments, concerns, likes, follows, all of that. Thank you so much. And I did want to, on a personal note, thank you for the support when I mentioned that I was uh, competing in different bartending competitions. Unfortunately, it uh, the way she goes just hasn't gone the way I would have liked it to this past month. But I'll definitely keep you posted on any exciting, fun stuff I'm doing on in the future. Thank you, as always, as listening, and I'll see you next week. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.